Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. This is your host, Dalton Dismore, and this is The Faith Prospect. Today we have uh, Jason and Stacia Yates. Uh, they are missionaries. They first went to, to Ghana, and then uh, they they are currently uh, waiting to go back to Tanzania. Am I correct about that? Uh, that's absolutely right, Dalton. Okay. So how are y'all doing today? We're doing good. We're doing great. <laughs> so yeah, we're missionaries called to the continent of Africa, not necessarily a country right okay. now. So we're we're free to move around as the Lord uh, chooses. Chooses? Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, before y'all were called to missions, I mean, how, how did y'all come to church? You know, how, where, where does your story begin with, with God? Well, for me, um, good grief, that's a long story. I'm 45 years old. Um uh, it's a long story, but now I grew up as a little Baptist boy, and uh, I'm thankful for the roots that I have uh, in the in the Baptist church. There was a lot of teaching that I had as a young man, as a young child uh, growing up, uh, that I'm so thankful for. Um, and probably about the time I was 13 or 14, uh, I went to the front, prayed the sinner's prayer, dedicated my life to God, asked Jesus to come into my heart. And I felt, you know, a change at that time. Uh, But then around college, I was probably uh, 18, and I sat down in the car one day and I said, Lord, if this is all there is to you, I don't need you. Hmm. But if there's more, I want to know. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, So, uh, you know, I knew what my life was. I knew that... uh, you know, even as a Christian, uh, you know, at the time, as a Christian, uh, I knew that going to the bars and, and drinking and, you know, the, the, uh, the life of sin uh, that I was living, I knew it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't okay. Yeah. But, but I also knew that there had to be more to Jesus than what I knew. Mm. Uh, and so... Uh, that's kind of a dangerous prayer to pray. Uh, God, I don't need you. Um, but that that second part. But if there's more, I want to know. And it was it really was a a true, honest, straight from the heart uh, desire to want to know more. I knew I was caught up in a life of sin. I knew I didn't want that. If there was more, yeah, to God, and uh, so. Uh, that was that was the beginning of my more. Uh, it wasn't long after that I went to a charismatic church and yeah. for my first experience with uh, the gifts of the spirit and things like that. You know, as a as a as a young man uh, growing up in southeastern Oklahoma in the Southern Baptist Association, the gifts of the spirit. Uh, it was a, it was a little new to me. <laughs> I imagine, uh, and but it, but you know, it was a good step. 
uh, it was a good step moving into uh, the Pentecostal experience. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that also. I learned a lot there as well. Um, if, if you don't mind me sure. asking, what kind of gifts did you experience in the charismatic church? Uh, that's a tough question. You can edit this out if you want to. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, and just like all Baptist churches aren't the same, all Pentecostal churches aren't the same, uh, all charismatic churches aren't the same. Yeah. Uh, the, the particular one that, that I went to, um, you know, I, I do believe it was ordained by God for me to be there mm-hmm. uh, as my first experiences because I did have a, a, a real desire to know truth. Yeah. And so uh, I, I would watch, you know, as the ministers would pray for people and people would fall uh, or pass out. Uh, and so uh, even then I was a servant. And so... And I wanted to be involved in what was going on. I wanted to help. And so I was one of the people that would just kind of always line up behind the crowd to catch the ones that were falling, right? And so I was curious, (laughs) uh, (laughs) right? I was curious, is this real? Uh, You know, because I would see people, you know, the, the minister would lay hands on them, they would fall, and then they would stand back up in a little bit and somebody would pray for them and they would fall again. I, I, I don't know. You know, I... Honestly, I, I want to know if this is real, if this is, you know, and so uh, at one point I just said, you know what, I'm going to try this. I'm going to, you know, taste and see. Yeah. <laughs> I want to try this and see what it's all about. I went up there and, and, they, and nothing happened. And uh, then they, they came and prayed for me again and, and nothing happened. And they pushed on me a little bit harder and I pushed against them a little bit harder. And it was kind of a, a backwards tug of war. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> Honestly, I wanted to be submissive, but I wanted truth. Yeah. I was, I was like, I don't know about this. And then one of them leans, you know, in a little closer and says, you need to fall. <laughs> and I opened my eyes and I looked at him and I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was pretty much the end of that experience. But I left that, I left that uh, environment uh, intrigued. Okay. No, knowing that there was more to the spirit that that if God was real, this wasn't it. But I wanted to know what it was. So let me ask you this: What? Because usually, um, I mean, people would have an experience like that, and it would make them lifelong skeptics. You know, they they just walk away, and they would just say that stuff's fake. Mm-hmm. But what what lets you leave there saying that? There is something more, but this just wasn't it. I don't know, except that it must have been the call of God. Huh. It, it must have been something that God put in me uh, to, you know, I, you know, sometimes you go through things uh, as an experience uh, to let you know you never want to do this again. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, there, there was, there's never a question mark now on if, you know, if I want to leave uh, the apostolic faith, there's never a question, right? Uh, Because I know what else is out there. And I I know we can all learn from from a lot of other religions. Like we're studying a little bit about the, the, the Muslim religion right now. And there's plenty of things to learn. But 
I, it, it really was just a, a, I believe, a call of God on my life and, and, um, and my honest, true, sincere desire to want to know truth. Okay. Now, you kind of uh, mentioned it earlier, but you, back and way up a little bit, but, you know, you said that you had been living a life of sin um, and you got to this moment where you were asking God, was there more? What what brought you there? What brought me there? Well, I I knew that uh, there were some things in my life that uh, I was bound to, hmm. that I couldn't get away from. Uh, from you know, e- even as a uh, as a as a child, uh, you know, just struggling with sin and. I knew enough about the Bible to know that we're not supposed to sin. Yeah. And so I, and, and I knew that I couldn't lay it down on my own. I knew I couldn't get away from it. So there had to be a, some type of a supernatural um, experience that would deliver me from sin. Okay. Because I couldn't do it on my own. And I think that's the same, you know, like with uh, drugs and alcohol. Uh, I think it does take God to be able to break those chains of sin off of people. All right. Now, fast forward. So you've gone, you know, you were Baptist. You've gone to a charismatic church. How did you come to an apostolic church? Uh, that's kind of a long story in itself also. Um, but uh, in the, the business that my family owned, there was a man that worked for us for a lot of years, and he was a pastor of an apostolic church. Wow. And so I grew up uh, knowing this man, being friends with this man, and uh, knowing his family, seeing his girls uh, in school. And I, and a- actually, when, when I left that that charismatic church that night, uh, there was a, th- a thought that came through my mind then, uh, if anybody has this thing right, it's that, it's that man. Wow. Uh, uh, so Pastor Doyle Pear uh, in Durant. And so uh, I, I knew when I, when I left that charismatic church, if, if anybody has this thing figured out, it's those people. It's those apostolic people. Those people. Those people, <laughs> right? Uh, and and some of that came from the life that I saw him live on a daily basis. Uh, the the other part of it came from seeing the life that his wife and his daughters lived on a daily basis. Wow. That level of commitment that they had uh, have, and so, um, yeah, and so that was my next destination was this this place that I know that they've got to have this right. And when I walked through the doors of that church, uh, there was something that happened to me when I walked in. I felt something different. Okay. I felt, and I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was, but I had goosebumps. The hair on the back of my neck <laughs> was standing up. And uh, and I just knew that there, there was this, there's something going on here and it feels really good. I'm going to hang around for a little bit and see what this is about. And when I left the place that night, uh, pastor stopped me at the door and said, well, what'd you think? I said, I, I don't know. It's a little different, but it felt good. 
And when I came back the next time, he said, well, how do you feel today? I said, well, whatever it was that got on me Sunday is still on me today. And I'm, I'm, I, I, want, I want to know more about this. So how did that, that feeling compare to when you went up and prayed when you were 13 and 14? Uh, so, so yeah, that, that's, that's a good question. Um, because I do believe that something happened to me when I was 12 or 13 years old, when I asked Jesus to come into my heart, uh, when I submitted myself, dedicated myself to him, um, when I repented for my sins, uh, even though I was repeating what somebody else was saying, you know, the repeating the sinner's prayer, um, Again, it was an honest, I'm sorry for what I've done. I understand that it's wrong. I want to change. And there was something that happened. There was a change in my mindset at that point. But there wasn't a new birth experience. Hmm. I, I was not yet a new man. I had made a dedication. I had, I had committed myself uh, to learning more, I had committed myself to God. I had I had asked and asked forgiveness for my sins, but I was not yet a new man. Yeah. So, I I knew the Lord touched me. I knew He honored my request. I knew something happened to me. But when I met you people, <laughs> when I walked through the doors of your church, uh. I felt the power and the presence of God like I've never felt before, like I didn't know could even happen. And just the peace that that came over me uh, during those services and the, those first experiences with uh, you people. And it, I, I say you people, it wasn't you people, but it was the it was the the presence of God. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Sister Yates, so we've kind of gotten, um, got started on Brother Yates' story, but how about, how about you? How did you, how did you come to God? Um, so I grew up, both of us, you know, didn't grow up. He grew up in, I guess, Baptist home, but, um, my mom and dad divorced when I was a baby. And um, I so really wasn't raised in church other at all, Baptist or whatever, um, other than my granny, who is Assembly of God, um, taking me to some church. So I knew the Holy Ghost was real. I never had a doubt because if I was sick or if I was scared, it was my granny that I would call for prayer uh, because I knew it was real. But I also knew that I wanted to have fun with my friends and, um, you know, do what I wanted to do. And so that stuff was for later when I, you know, got older. But I was going to go to the church wherever my friends went if I went. Um, so it kind of grew up like that. Um, you know, my you know, just a lot of my mom and that side of the family, a lot of partying and stuff like that. So I saw people drunk all the time at our house and, you know, I had a good home life. I don't want that to sound bad. I have a great mom, but it was just, you know, that was kind of what I saw and when I was around. And so there was always something in me that said, because these are also the people that I went to church. If I went to church there in that community, that's where they went to church too, yeah. you yeah. know? And so I just, I knew that what my granny lived was different and that some, sometime I wanted to have that too. 
Um, and then at 16, I was in a major car accident and uh, they thought I was dead. Um, my face was shattered. You know, pretty much every bone was broken um, and they didn't know if I was going to make it. And got to the hospital, ended up, you know, of course, everybody was praying. God definitely touched my body. Um, but then the doctor had come in and told my granny, if if she does, you know, if she makes it through this, you know, her teeth are going to be, all of her top teeth are gone. Wow. Um, my granny went home and laid her hand on my picture and prayed for God to heal me that I was 16 years old. I needed to have my teeth. <laughs> I guess maybe she did want me to get married someday. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyways, and so they went in to do surgery and they found my teeth pushed up behind my nose um, and pulled them down, fixed everything. So I knew, you know, I've had some experiences where I, I knew that God was real. I knew, I knew that he healed. I knew that there was power in the Holy Ghost, that it was real. But again, even after that, for a little while, I was like, yes, you know, Jesus, I want to live for you. I don't, you know, it definitely made me wake up as a young person that man, life is short. Mm -hmm. Um, but then again, you know, friends and all of that in high school kind of just, I would, I remember every night praying before I went to sleep because I was scared. You know, I knew I loved Jesus. I knew I believed in him completely, but I also knew that I, there was something in me, even though the church was telling me I'm okay because I believe in Jesus. That's all it takes. You know, I've, I've repented of my sins, so I'm good. Um, but every night I would lay down and just pray in this fear of maybe I'm not Okay. I don't feel like I'm okay. Hmm. Um, and so anyway, it's that about, I guess it was 18, 19 years old. Um, I kind of the same thing really started getting hungry for God again of just, God, I know there's more. I started getting involved in, in the Baptist church there. And again, we're not saying anything negative about that, you know, about the definitely church, not, the denomination. Um, but it's a start, you know, there's a start. Everybody starts somewhere for us. That's where it was, where it started. Um, but I was started, you know, volunteering in Sunday school and serving and doing whatever and just really wanted to do more for God and wanted more. And there was still that in my mind of, I know my granny has something more, you know. Um, and so anyways, and then um, I had basically, I'd went to a ladies conference um, with some ladies there in the Baptist church there that I was going to. Um, and it was me and a lot of older ladies and we went to this conference and God really dealt with me about a guy that I was dating who, again, another guy that was a Christian, but wasn't living for God, really, um, that I knew was pulling me away from God, that I knew was not, you know, helping my walk with God and what I wanted it to be. Um, and he dealt with me at that conference that I needed to break up with this guy. I needed to be done with him. Um, it was a God thing. The way I found this, this book and the conference, if you've been to a ladies conference, obviously you probably haven't, but if you've been to a ladies conference and you try to go get a book when it's over and it's just the crowd, everybody's, you know, it's crazy. It's chaos. This was my first thing, you know, to ever be at like a church conference. Um, and I had $10 left and we were supposed to stop and eat on the way home. And so I was saving that $10. So I'm kind of looking at the books. I'm like, I can't spend this money anyways. I need to eat when we go home. And then this random book, it wasn't in its spot. It was, you know, not with the other, other books. It was just that one book. And it was called Lady in Waiting. And it was $9.95. I thought, you know what? I'm going to, I just felt like I needed that book. And it was talking about waiting on your Boaz instead of marrying a bozo. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got it right. <laughs> I'm not, we're, we're not real convinced yet if she got Boaz or bozo. We're still working on that. You have your days. <laughs> I have my days. 
But anyways, I got the book. I was like, okay, I'm just not going to eat. I'll just say I'm not hungry. And we'll go to the restaurant and I'll sit there. And a lady in the church who, of course, had no idea ended up she said, I want to buy your lunch today, honey. So she bought my lunch. I got the book. And that book gave me the strength. of Because, again, I didn't grow up in church. So to be taught that God has a man that is specifically for me to even, you know, my I have a, an amazing dad. But at the time, he wasn't living for God at all either. Um, and as great as he was, he still wasn't, you know, what a man can be when they're putting God first, when they're putting, you know, Jesus first in the church. And so anyways, um, but I knew that you know, after reading that book that there's, okay, God does have somebody for me that will, that will be a great dad, a great husband, but will also do ministry with me and, you know, help me, you know, live this, live for God. Um, so anyways, after reading that, I broke up with the guy. Of course, he told me he needed me to live for God and, you know, all this stuff. I was like, no, you know, I've got to do this on my own. Um, I pause right there uh for a second Uh because I, I feel like more, probably more women and more girls deal with that situation more than people talk about. But, you know, guys kind of trying to manipulate and say, I need you to live for God. How, how did you, how did you deal with that? Cause I imagine it was a little bit more than, than how, you know, there, there's a lot more to it. Yeah. It, it was tough because again, you know, I didn't have any godly examples in my life. My parents divorced when I was a baby. So, I mean, my mom has been married several times, dad married several times. So I didn't have any godly examples of that. My granny, you know, her husband passed away when I, you know, before I was ever born. So, um, I bet reading that book, there was just something in me. And I feel like I had my alabaster box moment. And I know I did of just saying, and I did, I wrote in my letter, God, I don't care if I ever get married. I don't care if, you know, I'm a missionary to Africa by myself, um, <laughs> whatever, you know, I just want you, I just yeah. want you and that's enough. Um, and so, but on the other side, I did love this guy for what I knew of love, for what yeah. I knew of a relationship. We had been dating, um, for a long time, for a couple of years, you know, through high school and college. Um, he was, you know, a charmer and, you know, play the guitar and he sung and, you know, just all that stuff. Um, he was tall and he was handsome <laughs> and there was, I mean, he had a lot of girls attention. He was that kind of guy, right? So, but yeah. he had your attention. But the hard part was when he asked why, like I couldn't, it's hard to say like, you're, you're, you know, you're just not what God wants for me. Um, but it, it was hard because there was a part of me that I do want him to live for God. I yeah. do want to, you know, man, maybe we could, you know, keep dating and he could, he could live for God and he needs me to help him. And if I really want him to be saved then I need to help. Um, and so there was that pulling there, but I think every time, um, and you know, looking back there may have even been a time that I, you know, even tried to make it work again. It's been so long, but I know that I knew as soon as it even, you know, the thought came across my mind that, no, this is not, this is not going to work. He, and I remember telling him, no, you have to for yourself. And I've got to figure this out, you know, for myself, how to live for God and what I want. Um, But I also knew that the qualities that I truly wanted, that God put on my heart, that I wanted, and that that book told me, you know, that God wanted me to have that he didn't have, and it was going to take a long time for him to have a walk with God and to develop, to develop that. And I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to really help with that. 
Um, but it, it was still hard letting go and saying, you know, I'm sure you've heard the story of the little girl and her fake pearls. I tell it all the time. I love it. I have it printed out. I ended up teaching the lady in waiting Bible study in the college at the BSU and before I met him and got the Holy Ghost um, because I knew how powerful it was, you know, for a young lady to believe and to let go and know that God has someone designed for them and to not hold on to this fake stuff. So with the pearls, there was a little girl that bought herself a necklace, fake pearls at the, at the doll, you, know, you see at Walmart or their dollar store. And um, she would not take them off. You know, if they turned her neck green, whatever, she did not care. She wasn't going to take them off. Um, and every night her dad would come in and say, you know, tuck her in, baby, do you love me? She said, yes, daddy, I love you. And um, he would say, well, if you love me, can I have your pearls? She said, oh, no, Daddy, no. You can have my teddy bear. You can have my Barbies. You can have it. You cannot have my pearls. Um, And anyways, he kept for several nights would ask her that, and she would not give up those pearls. And then one night he came in, and she was sitting on the edge of her bed, and she had tears rolling down her face and had her hand open and gave him those pearls. As soon as she did, he pulled a strand of real pearls out of his pocket that he'd had the whole time for her. He'd wow. had him the entire time. And I heard that story. And that story has stuck with me because that was the one that when I heard that, that was my breaking point of I'm done with him. This has got to stop. God told me to let it go. And I know he has something real for me yeah. that, you know, somebody that he's made for me. Um, and so, I, yeah, I guess that's Jason. <laughs> so that's as far as the um, kind of where that started. Yeah. Okay. So, um, cause I want to get back to how you got to the apostolic church, but, okay. but you talk now you met when, how did y'all meet? Well, how did we meet? Well, we met at college and this is, this is another one of those tough stories and it can be very long. Um, but it, you know, it starts out, uh, as a, at this time, uh, I'm a senior in college uh, I'm the youth pastor. So you've got it all figured out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I got it all going on. <laughs> uh, but I'm youth pastor at this apostolic church. Mm. Uh, there's a calling on my life. I'm submitted to that. I'm, I'm serving. Uh, I'm, I'm teaching my kids not to be unequally yoked. You know, this, this, whole, this, this whole thing that, 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 you know, that we do in church, right? And then, but then there's this. <laughs> there's this there's this girl at the university and she is drop dead gorgeous and I'm like I keep seeing her and my heart stops and my my mouth gets dry my tongue gets big I can't talk I can't think I can't pick my jaw up off the ground she's modest but good grief she's beautiful and I can't okay that's enough uh, and so. <laughs> I, I saw her for like two and a half years before she ever even noticed me. But that two and a half years, she was messed up with Bozo. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and Boaz, Boaz is over here flexing his muscles like, and he, he don't have any, but he's doing the best he can, you know. And he's like, and she never even sees him. And so uh, she worked at a, a restaurant there in town as a hostess. And, you know, I'd take some of the, the guys from the youth group in there that were close to my age and and we'd go in there and she would she would sit us down and she would greet all of them and like I was invisible. I I, I didn't understand it. But she, So was there did did you do that on purpose or was that You know, honestly we joke, but 
this kind of ties in with the pearls. I truly believe with all of my heart that God was holding that until I would let go. I don't think he allowed me to see him until I was ready, until I said, I'm going to let this go. You know, I had to have that that alabaster box moment, that moment where I said, all I want's you. I don't care if I ever get married. I don't care who he is. I want you. And then it literally right after that was when I met him, when I began to see him and then I was chasing him around town. So, so take heart boys. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's her that, that's, that God's working on, not right? you. Yeah. So, so, you know, there was this two year process, right. Uh, of, of seeing her and, and, uh, one of the guys in my youth group was in her, one of her classes. And so he started uh, playing matchmaker for us. And uh, I still don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I should thank him or uh, what. Yeah, I think he, yeah, he probably deserves <laughs> it. Probably should thank him. Probably should. Probably should. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, so he started playing matchmaker and, uh, and kind of put everything together. Uh, I ended up well, she ditched me on a date. She stood me up on a date. Uh, she was supposed to come to a youth service that I was preaching, and she didn't show up. That never really ever gets talked about, though. What does get talked about was <laughs> when uh, when he invited her uh, to a, a youth skate night that the youth group was going to be at. It was Christian skate night. And uh, so anyway, he had organized for a bunch of people to be there, and, and he invited her, told her I was going to be there. Well, it was it was my senior year. I was graduating in a couple of weeks. Uh, we had finals. We had research papers and things that just had to be done, and I couldn't throw it all away for this girl, right? Uh, and so, yeah, so, I, you know, I was working late at the library and stuff, trying to get everything done, and, and the library closed, and so I just packed up and and went as quickly as I could to this skate night. Well, she had just left, but you know, I'm still suffering the consequences of standing her up that night. It's That's not my tough. fault. She left too early. Uh, but, <laughs> That's tough. Didn't but, wait long enough for Boaz. Oh, <laughs> man, you know, and, uh, and she's not giving me any breaks either. She's like, the next time she sees me, it's like cold shouldered hard. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? And I, uh, I messed up. It's okay. It's God intervening because I don't need to get tangled up with this uh, girl, because it's going to be bad. I, I mean, I, you know, it, it's going to be bad. And so then she walks back into the library, and I and I see her, and it's like, oh my goodness, and and um, she makes it really awkward, very difficult for me. And so I've, I've just she's blowing me off, and so I'm like, eh, forget it. It's, yeah, it's 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 God. This it just isn't going to happen, and that's okay because I don't need it to happen. And uh, so then when she stands up to leave, uh, she walks away, checking to make sure that I'm following her out, and I didn't. I'm, I'm smarter than that, you know, because I'm trying to be a good apostolic young man that's, um, you know, searching for the will of God in his life, and, and I, I don't need this. I don't, I, don't, I don't need this distraction in my life right now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so when she, you know, looks over her shoulder and realizes I'm not following her, then she turns around and comes back and she slaps the table where I'm sitting and she lays her phone number down. She goes, you're going to need my phone number if you're going to call and make this up to me. And she turns around and leaves. I'm like, wow. What a power move. What? Right? And I'm like, Lord, you are sending me mixed signals here because I am, I am, I'm okay with her walking away. Why is she turning back around? 
And why, what is this? And so, you know, I took her on a date to try to make up for it. And good grief, she smelled good. And I couldn't, it's like, I don't, and the first thing she asked me when we sit down at the table, she says, uh, so all your girls have to wear dresses and they can't wear makeup and they can't wear jewelry and they can't do this and they can't do that. And, and they've got to do this and they've got to do, and then she just goes on this whole tangent of things that, that we make the, you know, girls do and stuff. And I'm, I'll just let her talk for a little bit. And when she finally quit, uh, or took a breath, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just, I said, no. And she's confused because she doesn't understand. Uh, you know, I thought I thought this was what all your girls had to do. And I said, well, uh, the 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 thing is, is that there are a lot of the girls that that do what you're talking about or don't do what you're talking about. And but the the place where you're mistaken is we don't make anybody do anything. The things that they do, they do because uh, they feel like that's what the Lord wants them to do. So they've made choices and decisions to do things based on what they feel that the Lord's asking them to do. I've done the same thing with my life. Uh, there's things that I don't do. There's things that I do that are just different from the rest of the world. So at this point in time, you haven't gone to an apostolic church. No. So yeah, that's so first off on the, the, being invited to church and not going. I will say, first off, going to an apostolic church your first time is intimidating, especially as a girl, you know, as a lady. Um, but one thing I do feel very strongly right here to say to another, you know, just all the apostolic young ladies that are listening, you feel like a lot of times that the world looks at you and thinks, you know, thinks that... Um, that, you know, you're not beautiful, that they're looking at you going, oh my goodness, you know, why is she looking like, why doesn't she have makeup on? Why doesn't she, you know, but the truth is that we're looking at you going, wow. You know, I remember uh, the church, the pastor, he was talking about me working at that restaurant. I remember them coming in there to eat and just being blown away at the beauty and the, you know, and yes, I look back and think probably I was staring at them, you know, and they may have wondered, you know, what is she's probably thinking because the enemy will do that, you know, make apostolic girls feel like the world is, you know, looking at you like you're not beautiful and you're not, you know, whatever. Um, but the fact is most of the time they're looking at you going, wow, they, they are beautiful and they see something in you that they want. Um, so the world does want it. And a lot of times when you feel like they're looking at you like you're crazy, they're looking at you going, wow, you know, I want this. How do I get that? So anyways, that that's kind of what the church thing. I was intimidated, though. I was nervous about going. Um, and so I didn't go to the church service. But again, as far as timeline, so when I met him, I wrote that letter to God um, and just really like completely fell in love with Jesus, was working at the church there, but still going, there's more. I know there's more than this. Um, there was at that time, I didn't know of any Pentecostal. I went to, I lived in a very, very small town, um, any Pentecostal churches that I knew of. Um, and, uh, my, you know, my granny's church was, you know, a small little church. Um, but anyways, I'd gotten to the point of being very hungry for God. I wrote that letter and I just knew that God was going to you know bring somebody. And so in those, it was probably about three months from the time I wrote the letter 
until I met Jason. And in that time, I was growing and just pushing and more. And I was still, you know, I was getting frustrated, though, because I was going to church. And then these people would be at the ball games and the stuff around town and, you know, going and smoking pot before church. And, you know, all these things where I'm like, I still, this is not, there's, this is not all there is. If there's more, I want to know. So, um, so anyways, that's kind of where I was. And then I had that moment, I wrote that letter to God, you know, let the other guy go, quit talking to him, all of that. And then I saw Jason, like it was just like all of a sudden, this guy, I guess, that had been coming around. I finally, you know, noticed him and uh, knew that there was something about him, knew that it wasn't, it was real. It, what he wasn't going to, you know, be working with the youth and then, you know, telling vulgar jokes or, you know, going to the bar on the weekend or, you know, there was something very, very different. And, you know, you, the girls that have grown up outside of the apostolic church, you know, the difference when you mean apostolic man, there's just a difference, you know, yeah. there's such a difference. They're not, you know, I, I could go on and on about that, but anyways, I met him. And again, like he said, you know, he, I was invited to church from his friend. I didn't go. Um, and then the skate thing, he didn't show up. Um, and so then we went, we did go to lunch. We had that conversation. And again, I did not, you know, all I knew is what I had seen. Um, and those questions, he makes it sound like I was like grilling him. But I, I was sincerely, you know, curious though. Like, do you guys make them? Like, I, I didn't understand. I didn't know why. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and so we had a good conversation and, you know, I always get nervous telling our story because I would never, ever, even with our kids, I would never tell them, yes, go out there and date somebody (laughs) that's in the world that doesn't know this. But if you understand the timeline, like we went to have lunch, um, and then, and within two, maybe on a Wednesday or something like that. And I went to church that Sunday and got the Holy Ghost. So, I mean, it was a few days. And even before I went to church, he was already ready to let me go. Like he. So we, we went on that, that lunch date on Wednesday. Uh, got out of school. I went to work. She went to work uh, on Thursday. Uh, had classes again. We spent all Thursday afternoon and evening together. Friday, we spent all Friday afternoon and evening together. She smelled good, y'all, and she looked good. And it's like, I cannot. And But on, on Saturday, uh, after we got off work on Saturday, we spent the whole afternoon together uh, just running around and, and having fun and falling in love, and it was crazy. Uh, but we got to Saturday night, and I'm like, Sunday is coming, and I can't, like, I can't, be, I can't be doing this. And I just, I am falling way too hard, way too fast. And if I don't do something about this now, I'm going to, I'm going to mess up. Mm. And I just, I just don't, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to get out of the will of God. And so I, you know, I just told her, I said, look, it, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, people being unequally yoked and, uh, and it's just not a good thing really for us to, to to be spending a lot of time together. I'm sorry. And and that's when the fight started. There was no fight. <laughs> but I was just, I asked, because I, I sincerely, at that point, I was living for God with everything that I knew. I mean, I, you know, even growing up with what I did and everything that was happening, I was, you know, um, stepping out from my family and all that was happening. And I was living for God, all that I knew how to do, how I knew how to do it. 
Um, and so for me, it kind of hurt because it was just yeah. like, what do you mean? I'm equally yoked. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. You're a Christian. We're both Christians. Like I love Jesus with all my heart. Um, and so it hurt. But at the same time, and he didn't know this then, I was already planning on going to church on Sunday. Mm. I just had, we hadn't talked about it yet, but I, it was Mother's Day, May 14th. 20 years ago, um, and I was going to go with my granny on Mother's Day, and I was going to get the Holy Ghost. Like, I had already made up my mind. I know it's real. I know because of what I've seen with my granny, and now him, too. Like, this, I want this. Yeah. Um, so I'd already made up my mind. I was going to my granny's church for Mother's Day that morning. I was going to get the Holy Ghost and then go to his church Sunday night. Um, so, you know, anyway, so we talked a little bit through the whole unequally yoked thing. And I said, well, you know, I was wanting to come to church tomorrow. And it sincerely, it can sound like that was a ploy of like, well, I don't want to let him go. So I'm going to, but I was already, God was already working on me. Yeah. And I was already at the point of I'm hungry and I want to know more. Um, I went to my granny's church that morning, uh, that Sunday morning. It was, you know, just a smaller church that, just wasn't like a prayer service. There wasn't an altar service. There wasn't the opportunity to pray to get the Holy Ghost. So I left disappointed and frustrated of like, man, you know, I was going to get the Holy Ghost. Um, it's almost like God has a plan. <laughs> so anyway, so then that night, of course, you know, I pull up to his church. Some music's bumping. And, you know, it's just already, it sounds awesome. And I'm like heart is about to beat out of my chest. I'm like, oh my goodness, like here comes this worldly girl in here, you know, this youth pastor, and I'm coming in to see the youth pastor. What kind of looks am I going to get? Um, but thankfully I walked in and the people, you know, instantly were so good to me and welcomed me and made me feel at home. And the pastor preached, Brother Pear, he preached, we have not heard um, I still have the cassette from that message, if anybody knows what cassette tapes are now. But um, we have not even heard any. The whole message was on the Holy Ghost. Um, and I'm just the whole time, like, let me up to, the, like, stop preaching. Like, let's go. I'm ready. Get me to the altar. Um, and I went up, and I got the Holy Ghost. And, I mean, it was like, you know, people talk about, you know, we've talked about standards and things like that. And, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't blessed to grow up with that, to have that training, that teaching. I think it's incredible to grow up with it. And, you know, if I had that, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I didn't. So for the people that don't realize, you know, when I got the Holy Ghost, the things that God instantly convicted me of as far as standards, man, it's incredible to, to experience that when you know nothing. Like, yeah. I didn't know. I knew some of the things I'd seen. We talked about it a little bit, but um, I had plans to go camping that night after church with friends from the BSU, the Baptist Student Union. Um, we were going to go camping at the lake and just, you know, cook out and hang out and everything. Um, and I, you know, I had my swimsuit packed. And I instantly, I mean, after I got the Holy Ghost, I told him, I was like, I cannot, I can't wear that. I can't do that. I can't go out there like that. Um, and so a lot of these concerns that I'm having as a youth pastor, right, um, I, I'm knowing that she, she just got the Holy Ghost, right? But within two hours, the Lord's already making changes in her heart because I'm seeing that I know she's going camping, right? And I know I know she's she's coming by the house. I'm going to borrow my tent and go out. And and these guys and these girls are all going to be out there. They're going to be swimming, having a good time, and doing all that. And so all these things as a youth pastor, I'm knowing that she's about to walk into. But I'm seeing the Lord change her heart just just 
fast. He's doing a quick work in her. And I'm not saying anything to her. I'm not telling her not to. I'm not telling her she can't. I'm not. There's none of that. I'm just kind of sitting back watching to see what the Lord is going to do. Mm-hmm. And he starts making these little changes and, and in her heart. And she's like, I don't understand, but I just I don't feel right about doing this. Okay. <laughs> and, it, and that's my response. Okay. So what are you going to do? Well, you know, I, I guess I'll just, I'll go, I'll, I'll go on out there. Maybe I just won't swim. Uh, or I'll, and maybe I just won't do some of the things that they're doing, but I'll still go. And so she went, and, and before she left, I told her, well, you know, if you, need any, if you need anything, holler and let me know, right? And so here in a few hours, she calls me. She said, I don't understand what's going on, but I am not comfortable here. Mm. Hmm. Well, what do you think that is? I mean, I know what it is, but what do you think it is? Well, I just, I just feel uncomfortable, like I, like I shouldn't be here. Okay, well, what do you think you should do about that? Well, I think I'm just gonna. I think I'm just gonna pack the stuff up and come home. Well, my home. I go to my home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, you know that that may not be a bad idea, but I mean, if you want to just leave, my tent will be okay there. We can go back, or you can go back tomorrow uh, and and get it. But if you feel like you need to leave, jump in the car and go. It'll be okay. And so I'm just seeing those little changes. Well, they're not little, they're big changes. And for the, for the next two or three weeks, it's like that in her. It's just like she's a sponge and she's absorbing everything that the Lord is putting in front of her. She's absorbing it. She's not bucking against anything. She's not saying, well, I don't think that's important. She's not saying stuff you know, like a lot of times we hear, well, I believe this. I see that the Bible says that, but I believe this. It, it, she's, she's accepting everything that's in the Bible, everything that the Lord is doing in her. She's accepting it. She's not having an argument about anything. And the church is seeing that too. My youth group is seeing that too, seeing the growth that she has. Yeah, and my family saw it. You know, that was, that's the Whoa. hard part was, you know, um, my mom, you know, it was hard for her. And so she even told me one day, you know, I have, I have scars. I have scars on my face um, from my, from my car wreck. And she told me one day, she said, I cannot believe that you aren't wearing makeup. You are not pretty without makeup. You need your makeup. And I know she was just, it it was a, she was hurt. She was like, because here's this, you know, I mean, I, I was pretty popular in high school. You know, I was a starter on the basketball team and lots of friends and, you know, everybody, I'm sure she kind of fed off of that. I think as a parent, sometimes we do of like, oh, everything's my daughter's beautiful. Everything, everything's my daughter's this. Um, and so to go from that to everybody going, what's wrong with your daughter? You know, is she in a cult or what is going on? You know, cause, and I was, my friends that knew me knew, like I, I enjoyed attention. And that was one of the things God also broke instantly, you know, that, you know, most young girls that aren't in church and and some that are in church probably, but thrive off that, you know, men checking them out and, you know, saying stuff and trying to get their number, whatever. And I thrived off that and I wanted it. And so my mom was used to me, you know, dressing in ways that attracted that attention. Um, But as soon as I got the Holy Ghost, there was that instant breaking of that. And it was, I went from, oh, I love getting those whistles or whatever, to, wow, like these guys are, they open the door and they, they look at me in a way now that isn't, 
you know, so disrespectful, but as a, a, wow, you know, this, just how I looked at the apostolic girls of a respect and a, you know, it was just different. I can't really describe it other than it just felt so different than mm. how it had felt. You know, something, something you said earlier, um, that I kind of want to just talk about for a second that, you know, you said that, um, you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't recommend y'all story on, 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 you know, your kids or any other kids. Uh, and I think so, you know, I mean, people can look at it and say, you know, it was a guy in the church going for a girl who wasn't necessarily in the church, right. but the way I see it and, you know, how you've talked about it, I think it was, and, and we look at it like that so often, mm-hmm. but in reality, it was, you were looking for, you were looking for the things of God and, you know, God put y'all together. You know I mean? It was, you were, even though you weren't necessarily in the, the Pentecostal or the apostolic church, you were looking for, for truth. And there's sometimes that, you know, there's girls in the Pentecostal church that aren't looking for truth (laughs) or guys for that matter, you know? And, and so just because you're dating inside the church doesn't make, doesn't mean everything's going to go great. Um, but so, I say all that to all, and I also say that that's not an excuse to justify you going outside the right. church and trying to, yeah. like, it's very rare. It's it's rare to find anyone mm-hmm. that is sincerely looking after, looking for the things of God at an early age. I'll, I'll say also that uh, I was submitted to my pastor. Yeah. Also, and so he, you know, after that first Sunday. Uh, he pulled me, he called me in on the carpet. He pulled me in. He says, what are you doing? And I said, I, I, can I keep her? <laughs> and he said, slow, slow down. And I said, I understand. And I, I, I understand your concern. Uh, and I'm submitted to you. And uh, there were, we had a very short, uh, <laughs> we had a very short courtship uh, we met in May, uh, in, and she got the Holy Ghost in May. Uh, there was a prophet baptized. that came through, and I baptized her uh, in Jesus' name. Um, and so we, there was a prophet that came through the church, and, and the church uh, had history with this man uh, over the last uh, 30 or 40, 30 years uh, that that. Uh, he had been coming through, and there were just prophecies that he had made to people, uh, and those things came to pass. Uh, one of the most notable that I'm aware of was a, a woman who did not have the uh, ability in her body to have children, Yeah, and she desperately wanted children, and she'd been praying. And he laid hands on her, uh, prophesied, that God was going to give her children, uh, and and the whole church knew that she could not have kids, and so you know there were some question marks there. But here in a few months, she had her first child. Wow, so amazing! A couple now. And then not long after that, she had a second child, and now she's got grandchildren. And so that's the that's the caliber of man that we're talking about. This this prophet that came through. Uh, the church had confidence in him because of uh, uh, his faithfulness to God. Yeah. Uh, 
I guess maybe a better way to say that is they had confidence in the God in him, mm-hmm. uh, but they had confidence in him uh, hearing from God also. So uh, at any rate, uh, there, at, at the end of one of the services that, that he was preaching there at the church, uh, he called all the young people, all the people that wanted to be married, he called them, I was the first one uh, that came to the front. I kind of, I'm sure I tripped a few people <laughs> on the way. Uh, but we we were stretched in a line from side to side across the church, and he started at the other end, and he 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 went down the row, and he's you know, I, you know Lord bless you and and keep you and prepare you and and you know just kind of standard eh, prayer, and he got to me and he went to put my his hand on my head and he stopped, and he backed up and he went to the he went to the next one and then went on down, but he skipped right over me, and I'm like, well, I'm not real sure what this was. About. About uh, and I'm getting a little bit nervous. Maybe I'm not ever going to get married. I I, I don't know. Uh, but then he kind of dismisses everybody and he comes back to me and he says, "When I got to this one, pointing at me, when I got to this one, I heard wedding bells. Where is she?" I have no clue what's going on. I'm up in the corner. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was a new convert. Like she's Holy Ghost, like oh, somewhere. yeah, she has no clue in the world what's going on, and she's not even standing in line. I'm looking for. Like, I'm at what? the front, very front of the church, in a corner back there. Praying. Yeah, kind of hiding. You remember all the greenery that we had on platforms? She was kind of hiding behind a plant up there, praying, just lost <laughs> in the spirit. Um, but and so, where, where is she? And I'm, I'd say well, you're the man of God. I, I've got I've got a I've got an ex girlfriend sitting over here, uh, yeah. and, and I've got a new girlfriend. But I didn't say any of that. But this is all the stuff that's in my. Son. Look, you're the man of God. Uh, you tell me. You're the one that heard wedding bells. So if you and so he starts. Which one? Yeah, <laughs> he, he, right. He starts looking around and he looks right at the ex and he's. Mm-mm. <laughs> and 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 he, he's he's going through and he he can't he it's it's like uh, it's like when. Not you. It's like, not you. It's like definitely when, not you. It's like when when David was anointed. You know, saying there's this brother and there's nope, this nope, nope. Where is he? Yeah. Where there, there's got to be? Is there another son? Well, you know, there's this one son out. You know, but he's tending sheep. He can't be. And so, I mean, and it and it's like, where is she? And he's looking around, and he turns around to walk back up on the platform, and there she is. Mm. And it's like, and it's like a a bright light. Shone on oh, her, wow. and and he saw it like she saw me. He saw her. Just, that's her. There she is. And he walked up to her and said, "Say yes." Okay. So there's this whole process. Now the church family that would have questions about my relationship with her being a new, you know, being new, well, being married very quick, as quickly uh-huh. as we were. But now with their confidence in him. And his ability to hear from God. Now they have confidence in a relationship that she and I can have. God gave peace. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that was that was May. Uh, in June, I bought an engagement ring. A July Fourth weekend, I proposed to her. Uh, in October, she said yes. Yeah, so it's a very point. short courtship. <laughs> uh, Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
No, it you know, did, it didn't take her that long to say yes, I'll marry you. It take it took her that long to say I do. I guess that was okay. Me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I said I knew yes. Where you were going. I said yes in the church service. So I'm up there she praying. She had no idea what she was saying. I had yes no to. clue. What, still no clue what was going on. He taps me on the shoulder, and I thought he was praying for me. The preacher, the prophet, taps her on the shoulder. And he, I don't know if you mentioned, but he did date a girl in the church that her entire family goes to that church. Mm. So mom, dad, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandpa—I mean, like everybody. You know, half the church is her family. Um, and, of course, they love him. So, anyways, I'm. he taps me again and says, just say yes. And I still think, okay, somebody's praying for me. And then, finally, like, he really gets my attention. So, I turn and look at him, and the entire church is just staring. You know, everybody's watching. He's got the mic. Everybody's eyes are on me. Wait, Remember, I think I don't think this was right? – I don't know that this was clear in this story. Uh, he's doing all of this in the microphone. Yes, the, the prophet, in the front yes. of the entire church. Oh, so you're you're out lost, and the prophet yes. is saying to everyone, yes, "Wedding bells." Everybody, uh-huh. and everybody. she has no clue. <laughs> no clue. And so he just looked at me and said, "Just say yes." So I said yes, and then he said, "You're going to marry this man. You're going to be greatly blessed by God." Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! What? This whole thing. You ain't ever seen a white boy dance like that. <laughs> But it's amazing, like, you know, how God has used, you know, used that to confirm, you know, because we knew it and we're feeling it. But I completely understood, you know, the concern for anybody else outside of it, you know, because I was new. Um, But thankfully, and I, I'm so thankful because that really helped the church even more to really love me and take me in. And and because, you know, he'd already been the youth pastor. They loved him. They, you know, wanted the best for him. Not that they didn't love souls and new people, but at the same time, they wanted to protect him. So I think it was good for everybody of a confirmation of this is okay. You know, God's good yeah. with this. Because now Brother Rogers did not, um, had never seen us together, had never met me. Um, he would come into the service after it was started and leave as soon. He would never talk to anybody. So there was no already like gossip in his ear of what was happening um, the guys would set together, the girls would set together. So, you know, that kind of helped too, of like, you know, nobody's talked to him or paid him 20 bucks, <laughs> you know. What you would have. No. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, um, we, man, this is, this interview has taken turns that I didn't, I didn't know that it would, but I think it's all good. I think God is, I think there's a reason for it. Um, but for our last for our last little bit, let's just go ahead and skip ahead. Let's go to let's go to Africa. Where okay. where did when did you get called to Africa, Sister Yates? So I remember as a little girl, again, not really going to church or anything like that, but I remember just, you know, crying for Africa and feeling like I wanted to go there. And I wasn't sure what. I remember telling my mom, like, I know I'm I wanna help people and I wanna do something and I I don't know what it is, I don't know how, but I know I want to and I just always felt strongly like I would go to Africa and I started really pursuing the medical field. I wanted to be a pediatrician. Mm. Um, that was actually another big thing that got me to break up with the guy I was talking about earlier, was I was I got into a clinic, a pediatric clinic, a job there as an assistant with the doctors there, and they were really grooming me and helping me to prepare to become a doctor. Um, and my whole purpose, like I wanted to be a doctor in Africa. And mm. so when I started talking to the guy I was dating about that, he said, that's crazy. He said, you, know, you can go and do a trip, but you need to make money. Everything was about money for him. Uh, I gotcha. um, and, and that really just kind of like, okay, this is never going to work. Cause I know for me, it's not about the money. I want to do this for, for that. 
Um, and then I, you know, just started changing my mind on being a doctor and decided I wanted to be a nurse, but still always felt <clears throat> like I would do medical missions. Like, mm. you know, I would go over there and then <clears throat> for a while it kind of just was, I'll go and come back, you know, I'll do trips and come back, but I was always open to being there forever. It's kind of always what I felt, but I was also fine with making money here, going and helping and coming back and forth. Um, so from a very early age, God put Africa on your heart. Yeah. And I even, before Jason and I got married, I told him, you know, I know I'm supposed to go to Africa. And at that point, again, it wasn't like God said, you were absolutely called to be a full-time missionary to Africa. Um, because if, if I would have felt that, and I am you know, being completely honest, I, I know in my heart, like if I would have felt that, you know, there would have had to been some real conversations with Jason because, you know, he was like, I'm never going to Africa, you know, when I mentioned to him, but I knew there was just this, you're going to go, you're going to go, whether it's, you know, like CSI trips or, you know, just different medical missions trips. But in my heart, I wanted so badly for it to be forever, but I hadn't gotten that confirmation of like, this is what you're going to do forever. Um, so whenever I told Jason and he said, I'll never go to Africa, I was like, okay, you know, as long as I can go and you're fine with me going, you can go as many times as you want to go. You can stay as long as you want to stay, but I will never go. Yeah, that was pretty much it. So for me, it's wow. kind of always been there. Now for him, it's been probably a little bit more of a story on that. <laughs> so we were married for 18 years before uh, God really started moving in my heart, uh, or maybe before I started submitting to that uh, movement in my heart. But uh, at any rate, uh, that was 2017, uh, Global Connections in St. Louis uh, with the United Pentecostal Church. Uh, they did a conference and uh, station, and the kids got to go. I had to work, uh, but uh, when they came back, they, they brought all the CDs back. And I, I don't know, maybe it was strategically played, uh, but as I would pull in the driveway, she would pop in one of the CDs or the DVDs. And so uh, when I would walk through the door, I would get to hear you know, what was going on at Global Connections. And so a lot of the, the internal questions that I had or the internal fears that I had about going to Africa were being answered, uh, you know, on these CDs and stuff. And so, you know, because I'm not a preacher. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a public speaker. I'm awkward. I'm, I'm bashful. I prefer to be in the background. I'm, I'm, I'm a, more of a servant than I am anything. And I enjoy being in that role but to have a microphone in my face, not so much to have a spotlight, not so much. And so, you know, if I'm going to be used of God, if I'm going to be a missionary, I've got to be a great preacher. If I'm going to be a missionary, I've got to be a great speaker. If I'm going to be a missionary, I've got to be a church planter. If I'm, if I'm going to be a missionary, I've got to be a pastor. And so those were all the fears and things that I had uh, or the thoughts that I had in my mind that Global Connections answered for me that, you know, really probably one of the most... Uh, uh, one of the most powerful uh, attributes that a missionary can have is to be a servant. Wow. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, I I did just say that servant is one of my biggest giftings, right? So, uh, how can I be a servant in Africa? Well, just say yes. Hmm. Well, I know someone else that was told to just say yes. Right, just a few minutes ago, right? <laughs> yeah, and so uh, that was my beginning, and then and then learning that uh, I can be a useful tool in God's tool belt 
uh, if I will just submit and say yes. So, so yes, here I am. And that's being in Africa for the last few years. Um, that's the way it's been also. Uh, I, yeah, he just continues to sharpen and continues to groom and continues to grow me. Uh, and, and being there, and I fell in love with the continent. I fell in love with the people of the continent. And I'm not at home unless I'm standing on Africa soil. Wow. And so, uh, you know, people say a lot of times, well, you know, I don't want to submit to God because he's going to, he's going to make me do the thing that I don't want to do the most. Well, if it's what God wants you to do, when you submit to him, he begins to change your heart and begins to change your desires to where that is what you want to do. It's not like he's forcing you to do something you don't want to do. He changes that and makes that something that you do want to do. That's what he did in me. So what I'm hearing is, you know, this whole time we thought it was God trying to, you know, work on you saying yes to her. You know, she was a sinner outside the church and, she finally said she finally said yes to God and then you know it made you right but but really really it was about her saying yes to you and then finally that would be mean that you would say yes to God you know it's almost like he has a plan <laughs> there's wow. so many times over the last a few years that I've said that phrase. That's almost a, a catch or coin phrase for me is it's almost like God has a plan. There's so many things that have, have turned around and have lined up completely unexpectedly, almost like he has a plan. If we would just uh, use these things that he put on the side of our head, if we would just use these ears and listen to his voice and submit to that, uh, life could be a lot easier. I've, I've been asking him pretty frequently here lately uh, that that he would tune my ears a little better, that that maybe I could hear without him having to speak so loudly. On the, um, a little commercial, but on the Global Connections, if you have any even smallest idea that maybe I would like to take a missions trip, maybe I could do missions, maybe there's something I could do in missions, Go to Global Connections, find, you know, get involved. I'm so thankful for the AIM program, for all the short-term missions programs, because, you know, it was such a good step for him. And, you know, one of the things for me, I, you know, I'm thankful that we have, you know, up until I try to say this right, I wish I had a million other lives to give for Africa. I wish we would have started, you know, from the time we got married, went to Africa, but at the same time, I'm thankful for, for, you know, the in-between of doing bus ministry and children's ministry and outreach and serving in any way we can. I'm thankful for that. Um, but I'm, you know, would love to have more time in Africa too. But the Global Connections, um, that, you know, it really did change our lives. It really did make us realize that we can do this. But I think the biggest thing that I got from it um, was the connections, you know, I, we always felt like, you know, obviously we love the church. We love our church family, but there was just always something missing, mm. like the connections. It was great. We have great friends. We love our church family. But when we met the people at Global Connections, those connections, people that have a heart for missions too, and we got to spend time with them, it was just like, 
you know, where have they been my whole life? Like where these connections, these people that, man, just unbelievable. I mean, like, you know, getting to meet the Rodenbushes and the Poitruses and the Adams and, you know, I go on and on about these people that they take time to go and sit and talk to you and invest and tell you about what they've done in missions and to make you feel like you can do it. You know, you don't have to be the greatest speaker. You don't have to be, you know, any of that. You don't have to have a Bible college degree, which I always felt like, you know, for missions, I've got to have this. And Bible college is amazing, and I wish I had it. Um, But, you know, that's just not the route our lives have taken. Um, But I just, I'm so grateful for Global global Connections. I had to throw that in there because part of that story for us was that was such an open door and a way for us to learn and to just feel like, okay, this is our family. These are the people that we've been looking for. Um, and yeah, so. So, man, we've, we've, we've gone on so many different things. Uh, and I really, I'm going to have to sit down again with y'all just to specifically talk about Africa. Uh, <laughs> I think we sat down here expecting to do that and, <laughs> And, uh, God's just, it's, he's taking us a different direction, but it's good. And so last question, um, for both of y'all, uh, and what we've talked about in, you know, coming to God and your, your marriage and your calling, um, what is, what is the best thing you think God has, has taught or done for you in that? And I know that's a loaded question, but uh, I feel like you define what your answer is. Mm-hmm. So that's a great question. And I would love it if you would ask the question again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll try to ask it a little bit differently. Um, in all that we've talked about, the different times of your lives and in leading up to to going to Africa, uh, where... What do you thank God most for? That's a great question. <laughs> thank you for asking. Um, what do I thank God most for in this in this calling to Africa? Well, uh, Stacia could probably answer this question better for me than I could answer it for me because she has seen firsthand the transformation that happens in me when I step on that African soil. Uh, You and and the people here in the States, they see one side of me, but none of you have ever seen the side of me that comes out when we're in Africa. And I'm so thankful that I've submitted to that side. Uh, There's a level of anointing. There's a level of ministry. There's a level of connection. There's a level of uh, outgoingness. It may be a new word uh, that I do not experience here. I only experience it on the field. And so for that, I'm forever grateful. 
So I don't, I don't know if I can do this, but your question before you kind of rephrased it, can I answer that one? Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> so just you were talking about um, how this all kind of changed instead of all being Africa, it's been about our story. And it's, you know, it's interesting. I think for whatever reason, God is really, really pulling this out right now because even Sunday in church, that it's just been on our minds so much, our story, how we got in church. And, you know, we've, I've been in church for 20 years, so it's not something I think about all the time, you know, but it's really been on our mind. And so I thought we were talking about Africa, and then you asked us about our story about getting in church. So I don't know, God is, I guess, really wanting somebody to hear it or whatever, but you had said, um, I thought you had asked, you know, one of the things that we've learned from all of this or taken from this, like one thing that we would get from everything that we've went through as far as getting to where we're at. Um, And I think one thing for me that I would hold on to the most that I've learned that I would want people to know is basically that story of the little girl and the pearls. Because, you know, in that part of my life, it was to let go of this guy and to trust God. I did not see Jason. I had no idea at that point. But then here comes Jason. And, you know, for him with Africa, I'm not going to go to Africa and, you know, it's dangerous or, you know, I don't know if I want to take my kids there and holding on to something. And God's just saying, just let go. And the fact that I think he may love Africa more than me now, you know, That's so but cool. so God had that he was ready and willing to let him, you know, have those real pearls to have what God had for him. But he, you know, he was holding back and holding on to some things. I think as parents, we do that of, oh, I can't let my daughter go to Madagascar without me. No, you know, that's that's crazy. That's not safe. But to let go and just trust. And the fact that I look back and think, what would my life be? What would my life be if I would not have letting go then? You know, let go, sorry, not letting, that's not a word. Let go then. If I would have, you know, hang on to him, who knows? I would probably be married and divorced four or five times or three or whatever. And who knows what my kids would be like or what they would have grown up in. You know, my kids got to grow up in a house with joy and peace and love and, you know, the power of God. And um, then, you know, at that point, I didn't know that someday I would actually get to be in Africa. I'd get to experience it with my husband and my kids. Um, but, you know, here we are. And so I would just tell anybody, you know, if you're holding on to something, if you think that whatever you're holding on to is so great, you can't let it go. I promise every single time God has something so much better You know, he does have a Boaz instead of a Bozo, or he does have, you know, whatever it is. But um, I think for me, that's been something my whole life that I've tried to hold on to is letting go. I've tried to hold on to letting go, to not forget that, you know, there are times that you just have to let go. Yeah, it's pretty deep. You have to let go and just trust that he is a good father. He is a good God. He always has something that is real. This world offers fake stuff that's not going to satisfy, that's not going to, you know, fill you, the fear and everything else that comes with what this world offers compared to what God offers. And, you know, whether it's saying yes to Africa or saying yes to God in whatever area he's asking you to say yes to or whatever he's asking you to let go of, I promise if you do it, you won't regret it. And someday you'll be telling, you know, your kids a story of how you let go of something and how God blessed you more than you could have ever imagined. Man. Could could y'all pray a blessing over you know everyone listening as we end? I'd be glad to. Uh, Lord, we love you. 
And sometimes we get to a, you know, a place where a lot of times we maybe we just say things out of habit. But Lord, we love you. We love you. And you said in your word, if we love you, that we'll obey you. Lord, give us the heart. Give us the heart and the desire to love you, obey you, and serve you. Open our ears that we can hear your voice. Give us a desire to please you and to make you happy. Put the desire in our hearts to serve you and to please you all the days of our life. Lord, I ask you to bless these people today. I ask you to open their minds and their hearts to your will. Help them to see the way that you see. Help them to love the way that you love. Do your great work. Pour out your blessings. And have your way. Lord, we love you and we give you honor and we give you praise and most of all. We give you thanks for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for sitting down with me today. Uh, and I think we're going to do it again pretty soon before you go back to get the rest of the story. But it's <laughs> It's been fun. It really has. It's been, it's been fun. I, I learned so much I didn't know about y'all. 